Greetings, this is Olive, the Feminine Princess on the Art and Science of Femininity, sharing with you the treasures, riches, and secrets of feminine creativity and knowledge for women who follow Christ. So Rebecca's story begins in Genesis 24 and it's quite lengthy to read and I would suggest that you read it on your own time but I'm going to read the most relevant parts and summarize the background which was Abraham asked his servant to find a wife for his son and he asked him not to go among the daughters of the Canaanites but to actually go into his country and look within his family to find a wife for his son Isaac and so the servant swore unto Abraham that he would do it but he asked what if a certain condition would take place what if the woman refuses to come back with him and Abraham says that if she does you will be released from this um, oath that you swore to me today so the servant begins his journey and on his journey he prays to uh, the Lord and he asks that the Lord make his way prosperous and he asked for certain signals to signify which woman he should choose he asked for her to do a certain act for her to give him a drink of water as well as water his camels so that's where we'll begin right after he prayed that prayer and let's see what happens and it came to pass before I had done speaking that behold Rebecca came out who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcal, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. It's interesting how the Lord can answer your prayer immediately. And the damsel was very fair to look on, a virgin. Neither had any man known her, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. The servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hastened and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the wells unto the well to draw water and drew all for his camels. And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. It's very interesting that even though she appeared to be the exact answer of his prayer, he still waited to make sure that this was from the Lord. And it came to pass that the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hand of ten shekels weight of gold and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there any room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she born to Nahar. And she moreover said unto him, We have both straw and provincial enough, and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, 
Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. Being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. Now, it's also wonderful to note that after he realizes that she is the answer of his prayer, he immediately praises God. He immediately thanks God. He immediately appreciates that the Lord has made him successful in his journey. To summarize a little bit more, the woman's brother Laban comes out, greets the man, they bring him in, and they set food before him, washing his feet and making sure his camels are well taken care of. And he says he will not eat until he tells of why he's there, of his journey, of his, of his errand. As he tells his story to the family, he makes it a point to share that Abraham has become very wealthy and has given his inheritance to his son Isaac. And so everyone in the family is aware that his wealth that is possibly waiting Rebecca should she decide to become Isaac's wife. So we'll pick back up at verse 49. After he tells his story to the family, he goes on to say, And now, if thou wilt deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord again, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. And he also gave to her brother and her mother precious things. And I wanted to point out in verse 47 that the scriptures record after she expressed to the servant who she was. It says, the servant put an earring upon her face and bracelets upon her hand. So going on, he and his men were well treated that night they were given things to eat and drink and rested and in the morning he wanted to go back to his master with Rebecca. That moment, her brother and mother wanted to delay their journey. They wanted Rebecca to stay with them uh, at least 10 more days. And the servant was saying, please don't hinder me because I've been successful up to this point. The Lord has blessed me. Let me continue on my way. Let's not stop it here. And then possibly something else could interfere with this. Their response was that they would ask Rebecca herself and see what she would do and say about these things. And so they called Rebecca and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and men. And they blessed Rebecca and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let the seed possess the gates of those which hate them. And Rebecca arose in her damsels, and rode upon camels, and followed the man. And the servant took Rebecca and went his way.
And Isaac came from the way of the well, Lahiroi, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at even time, and lifted up his eyes, and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant has said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. What a beautiful story. This is the first story that we get a sense of femininity within biblical women that I immediately connected with. So looking at the Hebraic part, we have to remember that this was a time before there were any labels, before there was a Christian, before there was a Jew, before there was an Israelite, God revealed himself as the God of the Hebrews. And he made a promise to Abraham himself and said, through you, I will bless all the nations of the earth. And so Abraham was a Chaldean from the land of Ur. And so he was the first person God signaled out and made a promise to. And thus, after this promise, which carried through to Isaac and then Jacob, later named Israel, and then the 12 tribes. And then when they traveled to see Joseph and came out of Egypt, they were then known as the Hebrews. And they were known as the Hebrews, uh, the great people of the Lord, because God gave that title to Abraham. It was the first time that we see the Lord giving himself a name of a people and that first time in biblical narrative was the God of the Hebrews. He told Moses to tell that to Pharaoh to let the people go to worship him in freedom and to serve him wholly. Because this is the first title that God has revealed himself as, I look at this time because this is the first time God has established with a group of people how to live after the fall, after Adam and Eve, which were the perfect utopian idealistic vision of the Lord for man and woman uh, once the fall happened God made a promise to Abraham and then thus carried over to uh, an innumerable amount of people from Abraham's descendants that I recognize that this is the new culture that he has created for mankind right after the fall or sometime after the fall. And so this Hebraic culture is very important to look at because it it has a symbolic meaning of how we are to live today. So I look at the Hebraic culture of this time, and at this time there are many things to notate. The first thing is that Rebecca being unmarried, she still lived at home with her family. I know in today's culture, especially the West, and maybe even in Europe, um, that the children possibly move out the house in their later teenage, early 20s years, but yet 
in biblical times and in Hebraic culture, a woman that was unmarried and especially still a virgin was expected to stay at home with her family and take care of her family until she became betrothed. And so that that's very interesting. I know today many, many, many individuals, they move out on their own, unmarried, live singly or have roommates or even move in with their um, unmarried mate and do things a little bit differently. But I like to look at the examples and illustrations that the Lord leaves and try to live like that. And fortunately for me, I was able, I was not only able, but circumstance would have it, I stayed at home with my family until I got married as well. So I feel a connection there. The second thing to note about Hebraic culture is that we meet a lot of women at wells, and they don't just hang out there, but they're actually working. They're actually getting water there. The scripture says at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water is when the servant met Rebecca. So it's interesting that this text notes that the time that women went out to draw the water was at the evening time. It wasn't the morning. It wasn't wake up and get it out the way. It wasn't the middle of the day, the afternoon as they continue their errands on, but they waited till the evening time. And that was the time it says that women were known to go out. So it's interesting today, we have this mindset, especially in the West, that when the evening comes, okay, we stop our work unless we're workaholics or we have a project to work on that we can't stop or um, we have to do overtime. Usually there's a consensus of thought that we stop the work in the evening and it's time to rest. But in Hebraic culture, the evening is, is the time to work. It's the time to start work. Um, if you listen to my podcast, I do mention about how the Lord actually starts the day in the evening. If you haven't listened to that and you are interested in that, I'll put a link in the description box below. But the Lord actually starts the, the day in the evening and I prove that on my podcast. And so women here understood that at this time and so they started their work in the evening. So that's different. Another thing I want to point out is more scientific and I want to share from this uh, text that I read in Time Magazine. It says that science is uncovering more of the traits that define gender as well as the complexities that stretch beyond it. And furthermore, it says that Men are generally physically larger and characterized as more aggressive in keeping with their roles as hunters and protectors. Women are smaller on average, expected to be more nurturing and even capable of producing food for their young in keeping with their roles as caregivers. And so knowing this, it's very interesting 
that Rebecca comes out with this jug. I have no idea how big it is, but I would venture to say it's a little bit heavy. I mean, in order to carry water, it has to be a significant amount because you don't want to get a cup full and then have to run back and forth to your house um, a plethora of times. You want to get a significant amount of water so you're the trips that you make to and fro are less. So I have to think that the jug was quite heavy and, and significant enough to carry a large portion of water. And so in reading about that scientific claim that women are generally smaller, it's interesting because I, I don't envision a very small woman carrying this huge heavy jug. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I more envision a woman that has strong upper body, upper body strength in order to carry this. And that definitely challenges the, the norm and the stereotype of smallness is for women only. Smallness in mostly women and I don't necessarily want to negate that um, that claim nor that idealistic belief I do have within femininity but it seems like Rebecca is challenging today's understanding of that body size for women. She was strong. The third thing I'd like to point out in this Hebraic culture is there is an inherent sense of hospitality. I know that in the Middle East and Mediterranean cultures, being hospitable to others, especially strangers that come and travel to and fro in their areas, is very important to them. They put a value on being hospitable to others. And so Rebecca had this trait, and I really believe it is a trait within femininity. And that trait really blessed her. It marked her and caused her to become a wife of a wealthy man and a man with purpose and a man that received an inheritance and covenant from her father whom made it with the Lord himself. And it says that she watered not only the servant, but his camels. Imagine this strong upper body strength woman running back and forth to water everyone and make sure that this, this elderly man is, that his thirst and his animal's thirsts are treated. I would venture to say that's kind. That is very kind and that's the epitome of, of femininity is being kind to others. And so it says she was very fair to look on. I'm sure that that also helped her case that she was very attractive, which I think is very important for one to look their best and to and to bring out their best features and to Another thing to point out about Rebecca is she was very adventurous. I mean, think of it seriously today. If a elderly man came to your house, to your family, and said, I serve a wealthy man who has a son who needs a wife, will your daughter come with us? Will you have her journey with me to this unknown place with this unknown man who's made a promise to our Lord and to serve him fully, 
will your daughter come and become the wife of a man she knows not. She doesn't know his spirit, his attitude, his mindset. She knows nothing of him. Hmm, would you go? <laughs> would you be that risk-taking and adventuresome and take a journey that you know not where it leads? Most people today, they date their significant other for a long time, getting to know them, their character, their integrity, their nature, their responses, and then they make a decision, yes or no. Then they decide stay or leave. But she, she must have had such a rootedness in the Lord because absent is the information on how that family came to know the Lord. We only know that Abraham had a conversation with God and made a covenant with him. And he was drawn away from his family. He was separated and pulled apart from them. So it's really this text is absent in telling us how they related to the Lord and what their interaction was him with him was like. But it does say that they mention that this whole activity that's going on is from the Lord. So they must have had some understanding about God even before he gave all these uh, laws to Moses and told the children how to live that I believe that carried down to Rachel and she understood something on some level about God at the time that she was willing to go with the servant that prayed about her actions. I think that is very, very astounding as well as unfeminine compared to today's femininity. Today's femininity would tell you to be sure and certain and that it's the masculine spirit that takes the risks and adventures and journeys and epics, but she was the one who did it. And she was the one who was beautiful and strong and fair and risk-taking. I think our femininity today can learn a lot from Rebecca. Genesis reports that the servant put an earring on her face and bracelet upon her hands. And so I looked this up because this perplexed me. How can he put an earring on her face? Where would it go? I mean, I know today there's many places on the face that can receive a piercing. But back then, um, I have no clue about any other uh, piercings besides the ears and possibly around the nose area and wearing necklaces, of course, and bracelets and headpieces and hair adornment. When I looked that up, it's actually an English translation because the Hebraic says that he actually put a ring in her nose. And I thought that was interesting because it also alludes to Ezekiel 16 where it says that the Lord put a ring on your nose and a bracelet on your arms and earrings in your ears. It says that he decked you with ornaments and he put bracelets on your hands and a chain on your neck and a jewel on your forehead and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown upon your head. The Hebrew 
translation talks about a nose ring. And so I know that there is controversy in the Christian church about piercings. And there's a scripture that I'll put here that talks about it. But yet the Lord himself, as well as uh, the servant of Abraham, who made a covenant with the Lord, also talks about nose rings. And, and that's a separate piercing from the ear. I mean, I know they make earrings now that attach without a piercing, but it clearly states here in both verses, in, in both books, that nose rings were, were acceptable. And so this, of course, makes me feel good as a woman because I have a nose ring and because my ears are pierced, which my mother got them pierced when I was an infant, very young, so I have no recollection of it, nor any decision um, in that particular act, but I am happy she did it, so I don't have any memory of pain, but this other scripture, which I'll put here on Timothy, you know, there's a, a little bit of, um, what is the right word, tension here, because on one hand, the Lord is saying he himself adorns us with all manner of jewelry. And yet in the new covenant, Paul is exhorting women not to adorn themselves so much. And it could have been cultural. It could have been because he wanted them to focus on the Lord and, and serving in submission as opposed to becoming vain or whatever other thoughts he had in his mind, it tells me that jewelry is not a sin and piercing isn't either. But of course, of course, of course, always seek the Lord in your own individual journey on what he leads you to do. But this is my opinion and how I feel about it based on the word of God. And so the last thing I wanted to point out about this story of Rebecca is that even though she knew the backstory of why she was chosen to marry this man, and even though she knew the prayers that have been prayed, and she knew the charge that was sent out from her future father-in-law, when Isaac was identified to her, she still covered herself. She still put on a veil. She still had decorum and protocol and properness about herself. She didn't run up to him and say, wow, you are mine now. <laughs> the Lord has said it and the servant brought me here. No, she didn't do any of that. She said, you know what? There is a proper way to respond to this situation. And I'm still a lady and I'm still a female and I'm still a virgin. And I'm going to symbolize that and let him reveal who I am. And she covered herself with the veil. How beautiful. I hope this blesses you and let's pray right now that it does. Lord, I thank you for revealing to us beautiful things in the story of Rebecca, the artistry she used in uh, capturing a man's heart, 
through his servant and the science that has been challenged behind this whole episode and the Hebraic culture that we've learned about it. Let this take root in us and let us learn how to interpret these things in our own lives and be blessed by it. Because I know that you said that these things were written for our account that we may learn. And I bless you and I praise you for identifying these things to us. And I ask that if there's anyone out there who wants to get closer to the Lord, let's pray this prayer together of reconciliation to him. Oh Lord, Father, you see the heart of my dear sister, your daughter who wants to be closer to you, who wants you to become uh, her Lord and her Savior and her King because it's one thing to make Jesus your Savior that saves you from death, but it's another to make him King and Lord, which means anything he says to anything he tells you you will obey any command he gives you you will do it without a second thought he will be your lord he will be your king he is governor over your life and he does it for your good not to lord over you but to bless you and the enemy says that he always says that i do these things that you may be blessed behind it that that people do you may be blessed so I ask Lord that you reconcile these hearts to you and you cause them to desire you to be their Lord and King and Savior and that they receive you in their lives and your spirit let your Holy Spirit guide them in their daily affairs and let them have a thirst and yearning to read your word to draw closer to you and to blossom in the femininity you're teaching us in Jesus name amen Today's program was sponsored by Olive Swan. You can visit her at oliveswan.pink, browse her store, Pink Peach and Cream, and request a consultation or workshop in your local area. Subscribe to her blog at thefeminineprincess.com, watch her YouTube videos, and find the podcast notes at theartandscienceoffemininity.com.